Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It feels good to be back. QP Sports Exchange is back on the air. It's your host, Vince, and it is a special edition of Hoop Questions Monday on a Wednesday. And I'm excited to be here. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the NBA today. We're going to get into a little draft coverage or what have you. I'll give you the rundown right now. We're looking at Trey Young and his playoff run. We're also looking at Kyle Kuzma's summer homework assignments. The Trailblazers need a shakeup. We're also bringing back hashtag takes. We're also going to talk about Brad Stevens as the VP of player personnel in Boston and his to-do list. And then I have a couple draft nuggets, and that is what's on the rundown for today. So, obviously, if we're doing Who Questions Wednesday, basically, there was a pod on Monday it is a good pod, but it's Laker-centric, okay? So if you are a fan of the Lakers, I suggest that you go back and listen to that pod because there's some good information in there. Also, you know how we do it. We keep it real rugged and raw for the la-la. That's how we do. But today, we're going to focus in on some of these playoff runs and I'll give you my thoughts on a couple things that are going around the association. And that's pretty much about it. Um, When we last spoke, I was talking about there's some stuff coming up on the horizon. And um, we are still working on that. I don't want to drop it yet as far as that's concerned. The only thing that I can tell you is you will probably hear new voices other than mine on this podcast or on another podcast on the Question Point Podcast Network feed. So keep that in mind. And when I have more information on that, you will have it. All I can say is shout out to my boys in the locker room. You know who you are. And we're going to go ahead and get that squared away as soon as possible. So we are efforting to kind of expand the Question Point Pod Network universe for you. I told you that was the dream and that was the grind that we were hoping for. And I got some guys who I believe that are going to bring a little spice to the game. You know, a little more. A little more spicy takes on the, you know, about the games or whatever. So that's the pod biz that we had to get to. Now on to, I guess, pulling the curtain back around the house. Again, this is, it's been a great week, man. It's just so far, God has just been real, real good to me, even through the struggles that are going on. Um, feeling really good. Just feeling just blessed. And I'm learning a lot through some of the struggles. And basically, some of the struggles are this. Uh, Sometimes you just don't get along with family members. There are family members that aren't um, your cup of tea. And 
for one reason or another. You love them. You want the best for them. You want them to absolutely flourish. But as far as just a personality and, you know, how they kind of go about their business, it might rub you the wrong way. And it's hard to separate. So I have a... Uh, a parenting coach, life coach. His name is Sean Donahue. Uh, he's been working with me for a while now, actually. And um, I don't know. It just hit me the other day that this is my passion. This is what I love to do. This is, I love being creative. I love writing. I love get, chasing down information. I love talking to people about the NBA, about football. And, you know, I can find joy even though my circumstances aren't great, you know, personally. And I had to separate the two. And Sean really helped me with that. And I'm going to really effort to get him on the pod so you guys can kind of vibe with him. And actually what I'm going to do right now is... When Sean comes on the pod, what we'll do is we'll have like, we'll call we'll call it like life tips, life questions, because it is Question Point Pod Network. That's what the QP stands for in QP Sports Exchange. It's Question Point. So we'll call it life questions with Sean. And maybe what we can do is have some people send in like some Twitter or you can go to my email, which is questionpointpodcast at gmail.com. And you can say life questions with Sean and we'll get those questions on the air and have Sean kind of break it down and he can give you some of his expertise. Think sounds good, right? Talk to Sean about that. See what he thinks. It's all fluid. So If it doesn't happen for a while, do not think it's not going to happen. It's just everybody's busy. Everybody has things to get to and trying to talk to Sean for an hour. I probably can't, but getting Sean for about 15 to 20 minutes is something I could probably do. Plus, he's a huge sports fan, avid football fan. Um, We'll get his takes on his teams. We'll just make it a lot of fun. Well, he's really helped me. He's really helped me with just trying to balance life. And I've been so grateful to him and so grateful for just the tools that he's given me and my outlook, regardless of what's going on in the house, um, is good. But what I would tell you as somebody who is creative and trying to either do what I'm doing, which is podcasting and trying to build a podcast network. What I will tell you is just understand there are going to be people in your life that might be bringing you down unintentionally, you know, but you have to go forward. And we've talked about this in the past. If this is your passion, if writing is your passion, if art is your passion, if music is your passion, if movies are your passion, Just continue to do something every day within your passion. And I tell you, your outlook on life will get a lot better because don't short sell 
your creative side because there's some stuff going on at the house. That's what I want to tell you right now. Those are the type of things that I want to let you know is that I understand the struggle. I know how difficult it can be, but you will make it through. And I have a lot of faith in what you guys out there are doing because I know there's a lot of people putting out podcasts, putting out content. Shouts out to Mud Talk Podcast. That's my boy, Coach T in Charlotte. He puts out amazing content every single week. Um, and he does it to be kind of a, a template so maybe you can not fall into the pitfalls that he did. Sometimes it's about fashion. Sometimes it's about sports. Sometimes it's about music. It's just whatever his vibe is. And I would tell you to go ahead and check that podcast out. So with all that being said, it's time to get to the pod and get gritty with all this information that I got for you. So kick back. Relax and enjoy this podcast. Okay, we're going to start off in Atlanta, and we're going to talk a little bit about Trey Young and his playoff run so far. Um, Atlanta's Trey Young in game one of the second round with Philadelphia, he looked so comfortable. He looked just at home in the Wells Fargo Center, and um, it was just one of those things where he was getting to where he needed to go. He was dictating tempo. He was just providing everything he needed for the team, and it was beautiful to see. Now, in Game 2, Doc Rivers made some adjustments. He put Ben Simmons on him, and he used an aggressive double team to take the ball out of Trey Young's hands. I would love to see what's going to happen in the third matchup, which is going on pretty much almost right about now which I'm doing this podcast a little bit late, so sorry about that. Um, I'll be interested to see what Trey Young's, his adjustment in Game 3 would be, knowing that the double team is going to come, knowing that they're going to put Matisse Thibel and Ben Simmons and chase him around that arena in the ATL. So I look forward to that. Now, in the first game... Trey Young had 35 points on 23 field goal attempts. In the second game, he had 21 points, and he only took 16 shots. Now, he also shot 6 for 16 in that game, so he didn't have a great shooting performance. They did show him a different look, and I just want to see what his individual adjustment is. Now, on a side note with the Atlanta Hawks, it has come down unfortunately that DeAndre Hunter, 
the wingman who is really their kind of their defensive go-to guy. He's going to be out for the remainder of the postseason with a knee injury. So, first of all, prayers up to DeAndre Hunter. Uh, man, it's just it's heartbreaking with him. Um because you can just see the talent. You can see that it's clicking for him. He's understanding the game. He definitely is not afraid as far as taking on the best wing assignment. So he would be critical against like Tobias Harris and things of that nature. And for him to be out, that is one less guy that Atlanta can, you know, depend on. It doesn't mean they don't have enough because they have plenty. Bogdanovich is playing great. He looks real locked in for his first playoff appearance as well. Um, You know Gallinari is going to give you what he can give you. And Clint Capella is still doing his thing, which it just seems like I'm going to block shots. I'm going to get 15 to 17 points, and I'm going to have 12 to 13 rebounds. I'm going to dominate the boards, and I am going to try to play as good a defense as I possibly can on Joel Embiid. There were a couple there were a couple situations in game two where it looked like Embiid was not frustrated, but what I would say, he looked like, okay, this dude really is standing in front of me. Now, there were some plays where he made, I don't think it was Campella, actually. I think it was more Gallinari that he made kind of look, made look foolish. But when Capella was on him, he was trying everything. He did settle for a lot of jump shots. He did not get in the, in the paint when it was Capella a lot. But Joel Embiid is a monster. That dude is getting to the line on regular basis. He is living there. I don't know if he's leasing. I don't know if he's renting. But he is at the foul line a lot. So Philadelphia definitely has found the 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 secret sauce to the Atlanta Hawks offense. And we'll see what the adjustments are in game three. I can't wait to get to that game after this podcast. So the next thing on the docket for today is... The Lakers, Kyle Kuzma, and, you know, I have been a defender of Kyle Kuzma. I was hard on him in the bubble. I thought that he could have played better. I thought this year was going to be a lot different. He played well coming out, and then he just kind of slowly, slowly faded into the background. And the problem with that is, is that the Lakers as an organization right now they are just looking they're win they're win now mode that's what it is so if you're not providing the the productivity that you need to provide it might be a situation where the Lakers look to move on from Kyle Kuzma now some of my thoughts on Kuzma right now are this is that he looks miscast as a small forward I would think in the offseason that he would need to work on his three-point shot. He needs to become more effective with it, but he also has to have confidence in the shot. So whatever move that he needs to get himself open, I would be running that move probably a thousand times a day. The other things that I look at with him 
and I talked to a scout about this, is that he needs to be more active with cutting, you know, off, you know, off ball cutting. He needs to be better at it. He needs to know when to go. He needs to not be timid when he does go. And he needs to be very decisive when he puts his two feet in the lane. Go up strong, you know, have some creativity around the rim. Maybe you're worried about getting your shot blocked. Maybe you use the rim as a kind of a, you know, an impediment for the person trying to block your shot. He just has to get a couple little new moves to help him out. And those are the type of things that I hope that Rob Palinka can convey to him in his in his exit interview. If I was Rob Palinka, I would tell Kuzma to look at a lot of Peja Peja Stoyakovic um, film. Peja Stoyakovic was a forward that played for the Sacramento Kings. He played a lot of places, but he's really known for playing with the Sacramento Kings and it was back like in the, you know, the early 2000s. So for my youngsters out there, I want you to YouTube Peja Stoyakovic from Sacramento days. Uh, he was an awesome player, super creative. He probably was a better ball handler than Kyle Kuzma, but I think Kyle Kuzma could learn a lot by watching film on Peja personally on that. And I hope that Kyle does make, gets into the lab, gets onto his grind, and makes some of these necessary adjustments for the Lakers to be able to flourish next year. Or if he doesn't, I'm going to tell you right now, the trade wins in the la-la are blowing. And they are blowing in Kyle Kuzma's direction. So he's not safe. He would be the last of the baby Lakers. Okay? Brandon Ingram is gone. Julius Randle, we saw his playoff run. Josh Hart is a restrictive free agent in New Orleans. He's gone. Okay? Lonzo Ball is gone. So Kuzma was the holdover of the baby Lakers. And now he's gone. And now it looks like he might be on his way out as well. All right, moving on to other news today. And I want to give credit to Bleacher Reports' uh, Rob Goldberg for this. This was awesome. <clears throat> he did a, uh, he had an article, and it was in regards to the Clippers. And by the way, this is before the Clippers. He talked to this person before the Clippers did move on to the second round. So when he got this information from the exec, this was before the Clippers had moved on to the second round. So let me read this little excerpt from the Bleacher Report article by Rob Goldberg. In the piece, it was a Western Conference executive that floated a player swap between the Clippers and the Trailblazers. The Clippers would trade Paul George to the Trailblazers for C.J. McCullough. Now, obviously, the Clippers did advance, so we have no idea 
how they feel about PG-13 right now. Now they're down um, a game in the second round to the Utah Jazz. And we'll see how Paul George plays. Okay? We'll just see how it goes. But if the Lakers go... uh, If the Clippers go out in the second round, I'm going to tell you right now, there are going to be some changes. There are going to be some changes in Clipperland, and I don't know if it's going to be Paul George. They really don't have a lot of trade assets to give up unless they're giving up Zubats, you know, and I don't know what Zubats will fetch you as far as the trade market is concerned, but there's a spot for him as well. But the one thing they were saying was like, you know, having having CJ in a Clipper uniform, there's your kind of secondary ball handler, somebody who can kind of help the offense get organized. Even though CJ is not a point guard, he does have, he's a pretty good combo guard. He's not just going to turn it over four or five times. He does make the correct pass. He might not be the field general like CP3, but he'd be adequate. And with the other guys on the team who are one-on-one players and can create their own shot, this is a guy that could definitely run that offense. Now, as far as the Trailblazers are concerned, now you have a six foot eight Paul George on your team to team with Dame Dalla. So that changes your your defense a lot. You can't pick on the little bitty guards if you have a six eight Paul George as well. And Paul George in the past has made all defensive teams. So having Ronald Covington and Paul George on the squad could definitely help the Trailblazers defense. So I don't know what you guys think of that trade at all. Hit me up on Twitter, QPP Network, on Instagram and Facebook. Hit me up on Question Point Pod Network. Okay, so what Portland, you looking for a change? You don't want to lose Dame. I got you. What do you feel about CJ McCollum leaving your squad and getting somebody like Paul George? You guys let me know. All right, Portland, I might be moving up there. Who knows? Your boy is moving probably within the next six to eight months. But I digress back into the pot. So now, with that being said, let's see. Uh, oh, there was one other thing that I wanted to talk about with C.J. McCollum. The San, Anto- the San Antonio Squares have interest in C.J. McCollum. Now, there is no package put together as of yet. It is very early in the talks. People would just say, hey, I'm checking in. What's up with C.J. McCollum? Is he available? So San Antonio has broken off that phone call to Portland. And we'll see. When the offseason gets here, I think there's going to be a lot of player movement. I could be wrong. And if I am, I'll be the first one to say it. But I think there will be. I think this was the year where people are going to be looking at their team, assessing what they have, assessing the weaknesses and strengths. And seeing how they can get into that upper echelon and start competing for championships 
with the Brooklyn's of the world, with the 76ers of the world, with the Lakers of the world, with the Utah Jazzes of the world, and the Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns of the world. Okay? I think this might be a big year for trades in the offseason. I think a lot of teams are motivated, not just by getting there, but also maybe getting into the playoffs, you know, or getting into that playing round where you can have the opportunity to get into the playoffs. So we'll see how it all goes. Obviously, we're still early on in this process. We still got more basketball to worry about when it comes to it. And we'll just see. Right, we introduced a segment last week called hashtag takes. These are like quick little blurbs, give you my opinion on them. And obviously, if you have a problem with that, you know how to get in hold of me. You know what I'm saying? Hit those social media up and tell me, yo, Vince, you out of your mind with that take. So hash hashtag takes is back, and here are some of the things that are kind of floating through. The social media and the and all the bleacher report and everybody else. So first and foremost, LeBron is changing his number to the number six. Okay. It's a marketing situation. You know that Space Jam is coming out. That's his number in Space Jam. And that's gonna be his new Laker number. Now, as far as AD is concerned, he says he's gonna stick with number three. So 23 is open. For the Lakers, who really cares? All this is, is that LeBron is going to make mo mo money. You know what I'm saying? LeBron is going to get that back. All right? So, that is really the only thing that we kind of need to say about that. Also, what has come out is the Lakers did promise Drummond before he signed on with them. That he was going to be able to start. Now I have opinions on this. And they're pretty strong. I have nothing against Andre Drummond whatsoever. This is purely on looking at Andre Drummond as a basketball player. He has terrible hands. He doesn't catch anything cleanly at all. Some of the reasons why his shot gets blocked or his percentages down you know four or five feet away from the basket are exactly what they are is because he literally can't catch the ball go up strong and dunk or put it up put it up on the glass so I'm not looking forward if that dude is coming back to the Lakers which I hope that is not the case you know, I listen, it was an experiment. We needed a big, we needed somebody to protect the rim. He did provide some of that. He did provide boards. 
But as far as dunking off, and especially when you have a guy like LeBron who sees the court way differently, you know, Luka's one of those guys as well. Trey Young has creativity. Lonzo Ball, actually, Lonzo Ball and his brother, LaMelo, have that type of creativity when it comes to passes and, and what have you. So you have to always be ready. And Andre Drummond just does not catch the ball well enough for me to say, okay, I want this dude to play like 28 to 32 minutes for me. I want this guy to play, you know, I want him to have starter minutes. It just doesn't, it never looks smooth. It uh, looks real haphazard. Some of his shots look almost like accident. Sometimes they go in. Sometimes they hit the lip of the rim, come out. And, you know, I'm not, like I said, Drummond is a good dude just as a basketball player from my big. I just want somebody who can catch the ball and go strong to the rim. That's what I want. So, Andre, get your hands right, dog. You know what I'm saying? Go talk to Jerry Rice or somebody. Go talk to one of these these big guys from the past. You know, you're in L.A., you know, there's a guy by the name of Kareem. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of guys out there that can help him. And I just hope that he does go get it and he gets back to his level and finds a team that will give him the back. You know, I don't know what his uh, his actual value is right now, but you know where the league is going. They don't value bigs unless bigs are doing something very spectacular. So, Drummond, we'll see what he does in the open market. I know one thing. I am not wanting him to be in Laker gold next year. That is what I do not want. Now, as far as Brooklyn is concerned, they look stupid. It looks like an absolute 2K fest. These guys look amazing. They've been putting it on people. That Milwaukee series doesn't look great. There were times in game two that the Nets were flirting with 50-point leads, beating teams by 39 easily. You know, it's just they look real formidable. That's one thing. And to tell you the truth, I don't know who's going to be able to unlock that Rubik's Cube. I have no idea who's going to be able to unlock that. So, kudos to the front office in Brooklyn for doing what they need to do. They definitely have the real tight squad. KD's there. I, you know, Kyrie's there. Joe Harris is so underrated. They're getting a lot of production from people that you will go like, Oh, wow, I can't believe he's doing it. Blake Griffin looks reborn. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what happened the last couple of years in Detroit as far as the non-ducking. I don't know if there was an injury that was involved, but I do know this. This guy is doing all those things now, and that three looks pretty consistent. Also, he's absolutely wide open when he shoots it. But he's providing toughness. He's providing uh, veteran leadership, and his passing has been pretty good 
from the post and also when he's out on the wing and people are cutting to the basket, Blake is getting people the ball. So Brooklyn is just looking real, real tough, and I don't know if there's anybody that can deal with them. Aha, uh-huh, yes. Indiana Pacers head coach Nate Bjorkren is gone. He gone. One year. Man, we talked about this on the podcast, I want to say about a month ago. And if you do not know what I'm talking about, get those archive pods. Go to questionpointpodnetwork.com and get all your archive pods. You know what I'm saying? Or you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple, Stitcher, Google Pod, Podcaster, CastBox, all those places. Okay? Get them archive pods. But we had talked about this on a pod recently, I want to say about a month ago. And there was a report on just a lot of players being disgruntled with Bjorkin. Um People in the organization were disgruntled with him. It was something that had followed him from other places as well. So the Nate Bjorkman experiment is over in Indianapolis. I know a guy who is absolutely really excited about that. TJ Warren. TJ Warren is truly excited about having a new head coach. So he'll play. There was a report out there when we did this that TJ Warren, who had a great year last year um, and had just a breakout performance in the bubble, that he opted in for surgery because he wasn't liking the vibe with Nate Bjorkman. So now TJ, so TJ Warren and the boys in the in Pacer land, can go ahead and chill and then go ahead and get you a new coach. Some of the names that are out there are Terry Stotts. Um, there is a report that um, the guy who was in Minnesota, Vanderpool, is getting looked at. I hope he does get a look, a real legit look. So we'll see what the Pacers do with their new head, head coaching situation. All of a sudden, we got some openings. Okay, Orlando's coach is gone. Clifford is out. Stotts is gone. Bjorkren's out. All right. We got some positions open in the NBA. Now, if you're a fan of the Pacers, who do you want to see head coach your squad? Hit me up on Twitter, QPP Network. And on Instagram and Facebook, that's Question Point Pod Network. Now, there was some, a little interesting news that I wanted to bring to the podcast. And this is actually a little tip of the nod to my guys in the locker room. Because there's a couple guys that are Dallas Maverick fans. They love Luka. And who doesn't love Luka? Because he's great. I read a report on Bleacher Report, and then I followed it up to see if there was any real smoke when it came to this. Somehow, some way, Lori marketed the seven-foot forward 
from the Chicago Bulls is looking to go to the Mavericks. He's looking to take his talents to Dallas, to the Big D. And there seemed to be interest definitely on his part, but Chicago's trying to get something back in return. And the report that's out there is Jalen Brunson to Chicago for Laurie Marketing. Now, a lot of people say, well, why would you get Laurie Marketing when you already got Christoph Porzingis? Okay, you already answered your question right there. I'm going to tell you right now, there are a lot of fans in Dallas right now that are real done with the Porzingis uh, experience. Let's just call it that. They are not happy with his production. They are not happy with uh, how how he plays out there. They don't think he's aggressive enough. They're like, Luka needs help and you're not giving it. So there's a lot of disgruntled Mavs fans with Porzingis not living up to that contract that they signed him to after trading a bunch of assets for. So... Getting rid of Brunson, which I like him as a player, but you get Laurie Marketing, which is really what you wanted Porzingis to be with all, all the health issues, might be something to look at. This might be phase one of restructuring the Mavs roster and getting basically a... Not a carbon copy of Porzingis, but basically what you thought you were going to get with Porzingis when you got him from the Knicks. So it's kind of like a part two of Porzingis, but healthier, right? And also his three-point shot, he shot over 40% this year. He does board. He's good for 17 and 8, but with an expanded role, who knows what that can be. He might end up being like a 22-12 and 12 guy. You tell me right now, Dallas Maverick fans. Shout out to my boy Brian. Shout out to my boy Kyler. You tell me, Dallas Maverick fans. Lori Marketing in a Mavericks uniform, does that excite you? The other thing is that <laughs> Bradley Bill... Is putting on his Nick Saban cap. There's a report out of Washington that Bradley Bill has already started recruiting players to come play in the district. So I don't know how that goes. Well, I'll tell you this. Brad Bill is a loyal dude. That dude is really all about um, being in Washington. You know, until that guy comes out and says, I do not want to be here anymore, we got to start taking that dude for his word. We've been trying to get Bradley Bill out of Washington for three years now. Every every time you talk about any team who's struggling or could use a guard or whatever, or, hey, man, that team would look way better if they had another star. The first person that everyone goes to is Bradley Bill. Right. And now Bradley Bill is recruiting in the district. So he's given no indication that he wants to leave. So 
We need to lay off that dude. We need to stop putting Bradley Bill in trades. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't want to go. And until he says otherwise, I'm going to stop talking about it. I don't want to hear any rumors about Bradley Bill until Bradley Bill says on his social media or he sits down with Rachel Nichols. Shout out to the jump. Shout out to Rachel Nichols living her best life. All right. Unless Bradley Bill goes on all the smoke with Matt Barnes. You know what I'm saying? And Captain Jack, Steven Jackson. I don't want to hear about any trade rumors when it comes to the Wizards and Bradley Bill. Now, if you want to talk about, you know, Thomas Bryant, you want to talk about Denny Abdia, you want to talk about Rui Hachimura, you want to talk about people like that, we could talk about that. But as far as Bradley Bill to anywhere, until that man says something on wax, right? I don't want to hear some of his emissaries or, you know, a, un- you know, a undisclosed source says that Bradley Bill wants out of Washington, the district. We're not going to talk about Bradley Bill trades on these airwaves on this podcast. Brad Bill, do your thing. I know you a St. Louis boy. I know you get after it. I know you are a tireless worker. I know that your passion for this for this game called basketball is super real. And you one of the real ones. So, G, continue to do your thing. If you want to recruit to Washington and you think you can be successful at doing that, continue to do that, my bro. All right. So that is it for hot takes. We're going to come back in one second. We're going to uh, talk about Brad Stevens. And we're going to talk about a couple nuggets that I got when it comes to the NBA draft. So all that will be coming up momentarily. Y'all hang tight. All right, Brad Stevens is now in charge of player personnel in Boston, and he has a lot of work to do. Okay, so my Boston people out there, how y'all doing? You know what I'm saying? From somebody who lived in North Attleboro, from somebody who lived in Canton, Massachusetts, from somebody who lived in Haverhill, Massachusetts, and somebody who finally dwelled actually in Boston, in Brookline. Your boy is all about the Celtics as far as giving information out. You know what I'm saying? I don't like the Celtics. I am a self-proclaimed long-time Laker fan. I grew up in the La La, but I spent 15 years in Boston. I got my ears to the ground when it comes to the Celtics. And Brad Stevens' to-do list 
is quite long. Um, first and foremost, you know, obviously you got to restructure your front office. I hope they keep the cap guy. The cap guy is really good. That guy's awesome. If Brad Stevens somehow lets him go, that guy will be out of a job for about approximately 1.8 seconds before he is somewhere else fully entrenched. So I hope the cap guy stays. That guy's a wizard. All right. Now, some of the things that Brad Stevens needs to do, find a coach. Find a coach that is relatable to Tatum and Jalen Brown. That is your, I don't know, mission, Brad Stevens. You need to find a coach that can relate to those two dudes and get them to play the most inspired basketball that they've ever played. Now, here's the thing. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have been awesome. They've come into the league. They've worked really hard. And these guys have elevated their games to a lofty level. And I also believe that they're surpassing what people thought they were going to be. Now, they are what I would consider superstars. Now, when I say superstars, there's the megastar. You know, when we talk about like the top five guys and stuff like that. But Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are, are superstars. Okay, these guys moved the needle in Boston. They are a good league pass watch. Obviously, people want to see them because of the fact that they do a lot. They score buckets and they get after it on the defensive end. The only thing that those two guys do not do well is they don't incorporate their teammates. And here's the thing. When you're working on your game and you're trying to get to that next level and you're trying to put yourself in a position where when people start naming off like the best forwards or the best wings in the NBA, I can see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown saying, hey, listen, I need to... I need to develop my game and get this and get that in my game. And sometimes when you're doing all that, you can kind of forget some of the guys, the others that you need to really win and really advance and be there towards the end of the playoffs, the the conference finals and the finals. So those guys are going to need a coach that say, hey, listen, the next step for you, to become in the in the breath of Kevin Durant and James Harden and LeBron James and people like that and Steph Curry. You're going to have to get your teammates involved and have them engaged to a point where they're going to be very productive for you. So it takes a little stress off of you guys, takes a little stress off you know, the pounding that you got to take if you got somebody else knocking down shots consistently or killing it on the inside. So I hope that whoever is the coach for the Celtics can get in those young guys' ear and let them know that, listen, everybody respects your game. Your game is great. Yes, obviously, you're always working on your game to get better. But now it's time to take that 
not physical leap, but the mental leap and sharing the ball, getting others involved and allowing them to eat as well. Because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they are going to combine for 53 to 60 points a game. You just know you can get that from them. And then on rare occasions, that can go up to even 70 and 80 points. All right. So that's great. But what about Peyton Pritchard? What about Robert Robert Williams? Okay. Um, If they keep Evan Fournier, you know, is he going to be able to eat? You know, so these are all things that the new head coach has on his plate. Next up for Brad Stevens on his to-do list. He needs to find a patsy for Kimber Walker's contract. Uh, Kimber Walker, right now, he looks like a shell of himself. I don't think that's a trade secret or anything like that. He seems to have lost his explosiveness. And he used to live in the paint. And now he rarely goes. He's selling for jumpers. He's selling for step backs. He's not attacking the paint as well. So either Brad Stevens needs to get Kimba 100% healthy. And I don't know if there's a surgical procedure that allows that to happen. And how much time would he miss if he did that for next season? Or it's time to move on from Kimba Walker. Now, here's the deal. Kimba makes a lot of money, 36 mil, okay? There's not a lot of trade partners that you can do that with who is going to take that contract on and who they're going to have to give up in return for that contract usually is a guy who's being uber productive, okay? I was somewhere and somebody said something about Kimba Walker and like a bunch of stuff for Dame Lillard. Boston fans, I'm going to help you out. Okay? Do not look for Damian Lillard to be in a Boston Celtic uniform. This is no shade on the Celtics. They just, that that's not going to work. You don't have the pieces for that trade. You don't have anything that intrigues Portland enough to pull the trigger on Dame Dollar. If, even if, Dame wants to leave at all. We've not heard Dame say, yo, I want out. There was a cryptic cryptic tweet where it sounded like it, but he didn't come out and say anything. He just probably frustrated about being bounced from the playoffs. And hell, if I was Damian Lillard, I'd be really pissed off about being bounced from the playoff when I'm dropping 55 on people too. You know what I'm saying? That guy is putting all his heart and soul into that team and getting that team to win. And yes, he can have a moment of frustration if he would like. If you were carrying a team and dropping 40 to 55 points in playoff games, you could be frustrated too. So lay off my main deck. Lay off my man, Dame Dollar. All right, getting back to Brad Stevens' to-do list. Yeah, he got to find Patsy for this Kimber Walker 
deal. All right. Now, I did hear one rumor that I thought was uh, pretty cool. Um, it's kind of a let me trade you my problem for your problem. And I don't know, Celtics fans, you tell me what you think. How about a Porzingis for Kimba Walker swap? Okay. I don't know what your thoughts are on Porzingis. I don't know if you believe that you can rehabilitate his career and get him closer to what he was when he was a New York Nick, when he was dropping 23 and 25 points a game, averaging 10 rebounds, getting a couple blocks, all that. I don't know if you can get him back to the unicorn status, but those are the type of trades you're going to need to do if you're trying to move on from Kimba Walker. All right? It's going to be problem for problem. Unless you trade Kimba to OKC and give them like three first round draft choice. I heard some things about the Knicks. And here's where I'll squash that. And I'm not Celtic fans. I'm not trying to squash your dream. But hear me out. Tom Thibodeau is not going to want Kimball Walker. Not because he's hurt. He doesn't play good enough defense. If you know anything about Thibodeau is this. He's going to need defense to rule the day for him to feel comfortable coaching a team. If you're not giving defensive effort, and I'm not saying Kimba doesn't give effort. He just, it's hard. He's small, and he's small in frame size as well. He's just not the guy that's going to sit there and be like, okay, I'm going to pound the floor. I'm going to get up in your grill. I'm going to make it super uncomfortable for you. He just doesn't have the physical prowess to do it. And he's also now compromised with the knee, so you know he can't be doing stuff like that. All right, so that is going on there. And then the other thing that we have to talk about when it comes to what Brad Stevens needs to do is this. We have still about $11 million of that trade exception. Remember that vaunted trade exception that that the Celtics were just dangling out there like it was some, I don't know, priceless piece of art or whatever? They still have $11 million of that big, of that situation, and they're going to have to do something because the expiration date on that is August. So you're going to have to get that done, Brad. Also on the to-do list is to find out what Marcus Smart's value is and what you can get back for Marcus Smart. Now, I'm going to say this right now. I have talked and heard that Brad Stevens is real, real tired of Marcus Smart. He is not looking to keep that dude next year, even though he is not the coach. He's like, I moved up to the front office to get away from you, and it's still not far enough. So I look for Marcus Smart to be on the move sometime in the offseason, but what's his value? You know, his value is probably going to be, like, to a playoff team. You know, you can't trade, like, Marcus Smart to, like, Orlando. You know, 
you need to trade him to a team where they're, you know, moving from like, I don't want to be a four seed anymore. I'm trying to get into that, you know, two one range and really contend for a championship or whatever. Marcus Smart can give a lot of good things to teams that are right there. So I will be really interested to see what Marcus Smart's value is when it comes to trade. The thing about that is, is that who's the trade partners, right? Who would he be good to go to? Well, now see, they the Knicks might not want Kimba, but Marcus Smart might be somebody they would be interested in. Okay, even if he was coming off the bench or starting and then bringing Derrick Rose off the bench. Because if you think about it with the Knicks, right, if Derrick Rose is playing 24 minutes and you got Marcus Smart playing 24 minutes, you got two veteran you got two veteran point guards or combo guards that can D you up. And with RJ Barrett and Julius Randle and the other cats on that squad, that's a good defensive team. So maybe you make a trade with the Knicks and see what you can get as far as value back for him. Another team to look at, the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns could use Marcus Smart, 100%. Another team that could use him, the Dallas Mavericks. Yep, the Dallas Mavericks could use a Marcus Smart. DU up, if he's hitting 38 39% from three, you limit his... Uh, Isolation deal where he's coming in, you know, coming down and jacking up shots. 24 minutes or 22 minutes in a Rick Carlisle offense would do Marcus Smart a lot of good. Another team that would be looking at a Marcus Smart, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. Both Los Angeles teams could use a Marcus Smart. So I look for Terra to be a very, what's the word? It's going to be a crowded market for Smart, I believe. I believe there's probably about seven or eight teams that will be looking at him and going, that, that dude could fit our team. Oh, by the way, let me throw out this dark horse for that. Marcus Smart to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Steph could use a guy like that. Another dog on his team. Another guy that won't take any, won't back down from anybody, won't take any crap from anybody. That guy right there, you know, you had Draymond Green and Marcus Smart on the same team. You know, that's going to be a gritty team. So, as much as Steph shoots the ball and looks, you know, look, it looks beautiful when he does does it. He looks real elegant when he does it. A Marcus Smart guy where he's getting in people's faces and just disrupting the offensive flow for the other team sounds also enticing for the Golden State Warriors. Now it's like, what do you get back? It all depends on how people see Marcus Smart. That's why I say don't pedal him off 
to the Chicago's of the world. Don't pedal him off to teams like who are just like happy to be in the playoffs. You know, like the Indiana Pacers, things like that. You trade him to a team that's like, listen, we are maybe a half a step away from the Larry OB. So Marcus Smart would be a critical link to getting us a championship. That means you'll be able to get more back from him for him. And Brad Stevens could sleep well at night that Marcus Smart is not on his team anymore. And I guess the final thing that the Brad Stevens to-do list is that if for some reason you can't trade Kemba Walker away, you need to massage that relationship because there are reports that Kemba Walker was hurt by Danny Ainge dangling him at the deadline. I'm not saying he's not a professional. I'm not saying that he would sulk. I'm not saying any of that. But it really makes you think, and it made you wonder if you're a player, like, oh, oh, they don't want me. You know, now, of course, he's seeing it from his personal side. He's not seeing the injuries and seeing how his his play has diminished. You know, he wants to feel like he's part of the solution. So to bring him back into the trust tree is going to be a critical part if that's what you're trying to do. All right. So that is Brad Stevens's to-do list. All right. So I'm going to leave you with a couple things. We're going to get into the draft like I talked about. So uh, <clears throat> let's see. Duh, 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 duh. All right. So it looks like the Jalen's have swapped positions. Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga and Jalen Green of the G League Ignite team, it seems like they have swapped positions. For the longest time, it was Kay Cunningham 1, Evan Mobley 2, and Jalen Suggs 3. Now that people are able to watch film, get the guys in the building, and what have you, Jalen Green has kind of elevated himself above Jalen Suggs and I think that just has to do with his ceiling as far as scoring the basketball. He has a higher ceiling when it comes to scoring. Jalen Green looks like a guy that if all the conditions are right, he puts in the work. Like this dude could be a real problem and drop buckets on you on a real level. Okay? Like this guy can score from all three uh, points on the court. He can hit you. He can hit you with the three. He got a mid-range game, and he can definitely get to the basket because he's very springy. The problem with Jalen Green is this: is that he is about six five, six six, and he's approximately one hundred and eighty pounds right now. Where Jalen Suggs is not that. Jalen Suggs seems like more of a finished product, even though he only played one year in college basketball, but Jalen Suggs is a good six foot four, six foot five, like about well, two hundred pounds. You know, if he's not two hundred, he's real close, like a one ninety five. So I don't know how you draft Knicks feel about that. I don't know where you have the Jalen's when it comes to that. So hit me up on QPP Network on Twitter. 
and on Question Point Pod Network on Instagram and Facebook. The other note that I have is this. I was talking to a couple people and it looks like that there's a growing consensus when you look at the mocks is that the Sacramento Kings look like they are mocked to take Jalen Johnson, the six foot nine forward out of Duke. And I've seen plenty of mocks with this. Okay. And they talk about his versatility, offense, defense. They talk about his playmaking ability. And that's great. But here's the problem. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Sacramento drafted a Duke forward a couple years ago by the name of Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley and Jalen Johnson have the same issue. They can't shoot. Or Bagley has struggled with his shooting and Jalen Johnson seemed to be struggling with the same thing at Duke. So my question for front office Sacramento Kings. If Jalen Johnson can't shoot and his, I guess his kind of edge over Martin Bagley is that he's a, he's a, a far better playmaker, right? It's still pretty much the same guy. And if he's the same guy, that's not helping Sacramento get to where they want to go, which is the playoffs. And you got Harrison Barnes. And I know that Harrison Barnes is not like the guy that will be there when Sacramento does get to the playoffs again and might be a, a significant threat. I understand that. Could be a situation where we're really going to have another two or three years before Sacramento is at that point. But when you have Harrison Barnes, who you wanted to play at the four a lot, and Marvin Bagley and Jalen Johnson. Well, first of all, there's a log jam, so you're going to need people to be able to do different things. Harrison Barnes can't shoot the ball. He is he is pretty good at it. He's sitting at usually around 36% career from three-point land. So not bad, not excellent, but not bad. But we have not seen any real evidence that Jalen Johnson is going to be able to do that. I'm not saying he couldn't grow into it. I'm not saying that he doesn't put the work in. All I'm saying is that for the time being, when you get this guy, it's really not changing anything for you. You're not augmenting the roster really with that pick. What you're doing is hoping that through player development and through his work ethic, which you hope to be excellent, that he would basically create a really good, pretty consistent three-point shot. That's what you would want. But if I'm the Kings and I was going all in on making the the playing tournament last year, Jalen Johnson is probably not the guy I want. I'm either trading that pick for a veteran that can do the things that I need, or I'm trading back, or I'm trading up to get the impact piece that I need. There's nobody in 
the top four that is going to be willing to trade with you. Those guys are that good, and they're on rookie deals, and you want to keep that. I don't, I don't see any scenario unless the lottery becomes super wacky that Sacramento gets up to that level where they can draft one of those guys. So you're moving up. The best you can possibly do is five or six. Now, if there's a guy at five or six that you want to draft, I don't know. You probably could have drafted same, if not the dude that you want, same type of dude. I could be wrong. I've been wrong in the past about my uh, my prowess when it comes to evaluating talent. But I wasn't wrong about LaMelo Ball, and I damn sure wasn't wrong about Tyrese Halliburton, and I wasn't wrong about Desmond Bain. So I'm looking at my track record, and I'm thinking I'm looking pretty good, and I'm looking at what these cats are talking about, and I don't see it. I don't see the fascination in Jalen Johnson. I did not like the move about, yo, I'm going to withdraw from my squad to work out so I can get ready for the upcoming draft. I did not like that situation at all. So for me, I would rather them draft Corey Kispert. I would take that kid. You know what I'm saying? If not at nine, trade back. Trade to 13. Feel good about Corey Kispert because the one thing that you can know about Corey Kispert, if you put that dude in the corner and you got De'Aaron Fox and you got Tyrese Halliburton attacking the paint, that dude is going to be wide open. So if I'm Sacramento, maybe I'm looking for something like that or a veteran piece that would help me other than the number nine pick if the best I can do is Duke's Jalen Johnson. Now, the last thing that we got to talk about is this. I hit up an NBA scout, okay? And I asked them a question. And the question was proposed like this, because I really didn't know the answer to it. So here's the question. I said, other than Kay Cunningham, is there another prospect, no matter who gets the number two selection overall? That prospect is so good that the franchise who selects number two would say, I know we have depth at their position, but this guy is clearly the second best prospect in the draft. Or is it just system or roster fit after number one? So that was my question. And I had a scout tell me that there is a clear number two. And that number two is none other than USC's forward center, Evan Mobley. Okay? Evan Mobley, regardless of whomever gets the number two pick, because we don't know that until they have the uh, draft lottery. But the way the scout was talking about was this, is that uh, defensively, he's a game changer. Uh he has so much upside when it comes to his offense. And he also has the ability to be super special. And you can't teach what he has. Not just the height, but his physical movements. The way he gets out on screens. The way he can show 
out on screens is impressive. Also, getting to the three-point shot in the short corner is also impressive. And then he does. He can stroke it from the outside. He didn't get to show that a lot at USC this year. Well, from what I've been told by Scout, he can. He And he can be pretty – it's pretty um, – it's something that he it's the skill is relatable. It's not something that is tenuous. It's not something that is inconsistent. The stroke is good. So Evan Mobley is your second overall prospect and we'll see what the draft holds and see who gets one through five and go from there. All right. So that ends this podcast for, Wednesday, even though it's supposed to be Who Questions Monday. I hope you guys ride with me. I hope you guys are doing well on hump day. And well, also what I hope for is this, is that you guys be good to yourself. Okay? Make sure you're taking care of you. Please make sure your mental health is good. Make sure you are centered. Make sure that the people around you are positive. If not, get some positive people in your life. And then when you're good, appreciate your loved ones. Show them that you care. You know, tell them that you appreciate them. You know, all that. Help out your neighbor. Give them a smile. You know what I'm saying? This, a smile goes a long way. Saying Greeting somebody with a hi or good afternoon. You could be making that person's day. And then the third thing is this, is that let's go ahead and, you know, start donating our time to worthwhile organizations, you know, to help the less fortunate. There are plenty out there. Um, Just, you know, look them up. Okay. I know I got one in my neck of the woods. I'm sure you do too. But we are truly blessed. You know what I'm saying? We have, I'm sure there are people who are listening to this podcast you know, who are drinking like a 6 or $7 Frappuccino from Starbucks. There are some people who can't afford that $7 Frappuccino, bro. So you guys are blessed. And you know what? If you got a little extra, you know, whether it's time or money, it would be sure helpful to help out our fellow man. You know what I'm saying? All right. So with that, I am going to get off these airways I will see you on Wednesday. No, not Wednesday. Because today is Wednesday. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm so tired. I will see you on Friday. And that will be football Friday. And I can't wait for that. But as far as who questions Wednesday, it's a wrap. We're ready to bounce. And I am ghost. (laughs) 